0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 2 called, Why Are the Nations in a Our
1: Lord is going to come And save us, and he's going to come and execute judgment. Therefore, verse 10 says, Now, O kings, in light of this, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence or fear and rejoice with trembling. And then do homage, that is, obeisance or worship, The son, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. Notice in my New American Standard, son is capitalized. This is a prophecy about the Messiah specifically dealing here with his judgment. And you perish in the way. His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. There's a warning here. Kiss the son, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. In John 3.16, Jesus said to Nicodemus, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish. They'll have everlasting life. Now, this psalm takes on prominence in the New Testament. And I'll take you over there to the book of Acts. Let's turn over to Acts chapter four. Let me just set the scene for a second. So there's been a healing of a crippled man, and it's an undeniable healing. Peter and John uh, in Acts 3.1 went to the place of prayer. There was a man who was lame from his mother's womb, and they uh, he's asking for silver and gold. If you remember the story, they say, Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man rose up, and he began dancing around. <laughs> And it was an undeniable miracle right there in the temple courts. And it was an opportunity to preach. Peter, when he saw the amazement of the people, begins to break into the gospel. Acts 3.12, he goes back. He talks about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He talks about Jesus, God's Messiah or servant. Acts 3.13 he says, you disowned Acts 3.14, the holy and righteous one. You asked for a murder to be granted to you. You put to death a prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus, which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health and the presence of you all. And now, brethren, Acts 3.17, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ should suffer, he is thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and return that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets, of his holy prophets from ancient time. Peter preaches. He tells them, turn away, verse 26, from your wicked ways. And then the threat comes. The religious leadership says, we don't want you preaching anymore in this name. There'll be no more of that preaching going on. <laughs> we don't want to hear any more about Jesus. You think they felt a little bit guilty? You think they felt a little bit uneasy when they were told that they killed the prince of life? And Peter says in Acts 4.11, He, Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation, what's your Bible say, in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is in no one else. There's nowhere else to turn. I'm sorry, Oprah. I was talking to a friend the other day. And we were talking about how people get this weird idea that there's all these different ways to God. And he said, imagine that I picked up one of these people at the airport and they told me, I want you to, or I picked up somebody at a hotel and they said, I want you to drive me to this airport. And let's say I just started going in the opposite direction. And they said, where are you going? This is not the route to that airport. And I responded, well, all roads eventually lead to this airport. It doesn't matter which direction you go, what road you take, what highway, what freeway, what byway. We're going to all get there. It'll be fine. Now, if you're in the back seat of that taxi, you're thinking this person has lost their mind. There's an easy route I can call up on my phone right now to get to the airport. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry about that. Let's go this way. We'll get there. But my flight is leaving at this time. It's all right. Just enjoy the ride. That's ridiculous. There's one way of salvation. And here's the good news. God has made a way. He didn't have to make a way. He could have just said, bye. I'll start over. Aren't you glad he didn't give up on you? Now, as they observed 4.13, the confidence of Peter and John understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were marveling and began to recognize them as having been, oh, what a great verse, with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to go, out, go aside, out of the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. How about you get right with Jesus? How about you say a miracle has been done here. There must be power in the name of Jesus. He must be the Messiah. Let's repent of our sin and get right with God. Now we've been praying and we're commanded to pray for all our rulers, all who are in authority. And our prayer should be that they come to know God because God wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Brethren, we need to be careful here because we're tempted sometimes to pray what's called in the Psalms imprecatory prayers. Everybody know what an imprecatory prayer is? An imprecatory prayer is when you say, oh Lord, break their teeth in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, let them eat gravel in the name. Of Jesus. Now, I will say there are imprecatory prayers in the Psalms. <laughs> and I have been quite tempted to pray a lot of them lately. Anybody else? But you remember when the apostles wanted to just destroy a village because that village wasn't open to the preaching. And they said, Lord, should we call fire down from heaven? Let's have a barbecue. Let's get to the edge of town and boom. And the Lord said, wait a minute. You don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to what? To save them. We got to check ourselves right here, especially in this hour that we're actually praying the right prayers. And, And we need to pray that people in office wherever they may be, whoever they may be, come to the living God. That our nation returns to God from the top down. If you look at the history of Israel, Israel became healthy as a nation when from the top down there was faith and belief in God. And it's happened in our nation. In fact, uh, in our history, our great leaders... As fallible and imperfect as they were, you know, I can cite to you right now prayers from Abraham Lincoln and George Washington who looked to the living God to help us along as a nation in in the early days. And essentially said, Lord, I I can't do this job without you. That was Abraham Lincoln. He said, I find myself falling to my knees every single day, asking God for help. I mean, imagine just for a second if you were the president of the United States. It's a tough gig. And it's it's hard for any human being to be in that kind of position. That's why we've been called to pray for our leaders and our governors and our mayors and I would add our pastors. And so the threat comes and basically the warning is, 17, speak no more in this name. They summoned them, 18, Acts 4, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. You can judge our action." But we're going to obey God and not you. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis 21 on which they might punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God. See, when the people step up, something happens for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Now, We're winding down, but what I want to show you is the response of the church to the threats, to the difficulty, to the persecution. Here's what happens. It says, when they had been released, Acts 4.23, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, what did they do, brethren? They lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is Thou who didst make the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, ladies. You're invited to a Women's Christmas Feast this Saturday evening at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. The feast, Simply Christmas, will be a time of fellowship and dining while celebrating Jesus, who came at just the right time. Come and enjoy music, food, and conversation outside Living Truth Christian Fellowship in a Christmas twinkle-lit tent. Simply Christmas will be from 5 to 8 p.m. this Saturday, December 12th. Don't worry, gals. The tent will have heaters. The event is $20 per person. Please register now on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That's 844-48-TRUTH. See you there. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: We're winding down, but what I want to show you is the response of the church to the threats, to the difficulty, to the persecution. Here's what happens. It says, when they had been released, Acts 4.23, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, what did they do, brethren? They lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is Thou who didst make the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, Acts 4.25, through the mouth of our father David, Thy servant did say, and here's our psalm, why did the Gentiles rage? And the peoples devise futile things. The kings of the earth took their stand. They're quoting scripture now as they're praying, led by the Spirit. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against thy holy servant, Jesus, whom thou didst anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever thy hand and thy purpose predestined to occur. Now, what's interesting is on the spot with no apparent preparation in Bible study, When the church hears what's going on and they begin a prayer meeting, scripture begins to flow from Psalm chapter two. And we have prayer meetings all the time. And I wish more of you were at these prayer meetings, but here's what happens. Before every service, at least 15 minutes before, Wednesday nights from six to seven, we get together and pray. And I believe that God's people have forgotten about the power of prayer. Because it's hard It's a discipline in many ways. But when we pray, heaven is enlisted. When we pray, evil is resisted. Call to me, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know, probably because you haven't been praying. We serve the same God today that was alive in the first century, alive at the time of David, the one who spoke the universe into existence and the one who predestines history. He writes it in advance. Theologically, I'm not going to worry about every single little detail. I'll just tell you, God has the story written about where this world is going. That you can be assured of. And when Jesus died in the first century, God had ordained the death of Jesus. You say, well, then were Judas and Pontius Pilate and Herod simply pawns in some cosmic game? No, they had free will. But since God is omniscient, he knows everything, he can't learn anything. He never says, whoa, I didn't see that coming. He knew what was going to happen. And he ordained Jesus to die in the very history in which we're embedded and to rise from the dead. And he ordained that because he wanted to save us. Just because God knows what's going to happen in advance doesn't mean he's pulling a string on your back to make you do something. And yes, this is something we got to wrestle with, but God doesn't need to look down a corridor of time and anticipate what's going to happen. He's eternal. Everything for God is right in front of him. He knew what Judas was going to do. He knew what Pilate was going to do. He knew what Herod was going to do. He knew what Nicodemus was going to do and Joseph of Arimathea. He knew what the religious leaders were going to do that denied the Christ. His foreknowledge of something is part of his nature. So they quote the psalm, they talk about how God had planned this, and they say, and now, Lord, 29, take note of their threats and grant that by thy bondservants, thy bondservants may speak thy word with all confidence. Let's pray for boldness. While thou, God, does extend thy hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of thy holy servant, Jesus. What do they pray? Lord, take note of their threats, and give us boldness. Baptize us with boldness. That's been one of my prayers in the last several months. Give us confidence. Extend your hand to heal. Make it undeniable. I even prayed today, aware of what was going on in our culture. Lord, just do something that blows people's minds. Just do a mighty miracle that's undeniably you. Why not pray that? Years ago, uh, we were just starting on the corner of Lincoln and Ontario. We had Two churches merged in 2007 to start Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And I was interacting with a gentleman who had been in ministry for a long time. And he said, Pastor Michael, I want to challenge you to be praying that God would do miracles in your generation. Pray that he would do miracles. Why not? Why not? He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, in one of those early meetings... (laughs) We were gathered in our old A-frame Baptist construction A-frame chapel. By the way, a very strong building. And we're in the middle of the service, and the building shook. And I'm not kidding around. I was up at the pulpit in it. You guys are checking right now. Is it really happening? And we didn't hear any reports about an earthquake or nothing like that. Okay. Okay. It's the book of Acts. (laughs) And when they prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, 31. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. All things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. Father, in our generation, we have not really seen days like this, I think for most of us. Some have seen them perhaps in other countries. And we're at a really interesting time, a, a time when we could easily lose heart or become overwhelmed by fear. But we have a, we have a model here in Psalm 2, in the book of Acts, chapters 3 and 4, about what we should be doing. And what we should be doing is praying for boldness, praying for miracles, united in faith and hope, and taking our stand for the gospel. Father, would you help us? Would you help me in my weakness? Because it's easy in our humanity to not want to deal with it, to not want to take a stand or deal with the stuff that we got to deal with. But in our generation, Lord, the biggest thing is the church has an opportunity to shine right now with the hope of the gospel. And we know the gospel has always been opposed and your people have had stretches of tough sledding, no doubt. But you are so faithful. And what a beautiful picture to end with here. The church had one heart. They were standing together. They were taking care of each other. And God, how we need that. We can't be autonomous in these times. And and that's true, not just in a fellowship, but it's true church to church. We've got to stand together. Sometimes we say, oh, that's happening over there. Oh, too bad. But no, our brothers and sisters are trying to stand right now. And we're praying over them right now. Every single person who's stepped out in faith this morning, Lord, to gather in your name, whatever that looks like. And that's not just our country. That's places like China where the church has gone underground for a long time. That's many other nations that have had to uh, pray and and lean into God and lean into one another and be strategic and discerning. God, we need that. We pray over our state. We pray over our governor. We pray over our local leaders. We pray that there would be a change of heart towards the church, that our testimony would be one that we just want, we want to, Bring a healing balm to people, Lord. We want to speak truth and love. We, we are a people who desire us to see men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We're desirous that the love of Christ would be our greatest witness. We're desirous that, Lord, we could tell people the good news of Jesus and how to walk out the rest of their life living within his loving boundaries and finding great delight and joy in their life. Now, if you've tuned in by live stream, would you keep your head and heart bowed if you're here? If you don't know Jesus, if you never realize he's the singular way of salvation, trust him right now. Something like this, Lord Jesus, would you save me? Thank you that you, the king, entered into this world on a rescue mission. Thank you that you died on that terrible cross for me, taking my punishment, taking my place. Thank you that you rose again from the dead. Defeating death, my greatest enemy, I place my trust in you. Be my king, be my savior, be my God, my Lord, my friend. If you're a prodigal and you've been away from the Lord and maybe you feel like you fell away a little bit or a lot, he would invite you, he would bid you to come home, come to the Father through Jesus the Son. And if you're a saint here today and you're already saved and you're just trying to, Navigate the times and and stand strong and stand for your family and stand with your church. God bless you. May he strengthen you. May he grant you peace and a sense of mission for this season. In Jesus' name I pray.
0: You've been listening to Why Are the Nations in an Uproar? Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 2. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program or parts one or two, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And just a reminder that Michael Lance is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. If you live in Southern California, we'd love it if you joined us for any of our church services, Bible studies, or any one of the many events we do throughout the year. Stay up to date by downloading the Living Truth app. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. If you're not in Southern California, we invite you to subscribe to the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel, where you can watch Pastor Michael's messages live on Sunday mornings. Visit walkintruth.com to learn more. This Saturday, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, the church behind walkin Truth, will be having a women's Christmas dinner from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., and you're invited. Come on out and join the ladies at Living Truth for a simple evening of fellowship and dinner, celebrating Jesus because he came at just the right time. Enjoy a Mexican dinner outside Living Truth with heaters and twinkling lights. The price is only $20 per person. And today is the last day to register. So please register on the Living Truth app or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your tax-deductible donation helps us broadcast on the radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and to help you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Please consider becoming a monthly partner, too. $10 a month is greatly needed. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 3 called The One Who Lifts My Head. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a great weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.